0: viewing podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie.
1: I'm your neophyte, Frank.
0: Today we are taking a look at Degrassi The Next Generation Season 5, Episode 13, Together Forever. Um, Quick content warning on this one. We're going to be talking a little bit about pregnancy because we get an update on the Liberty plot. That's it. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. It's very weird when an episode is only like one thing. It's Refreshing.
1: And it's not even like a bad. It's not even like a bad thing. It's just pregnancy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's just you know if it's something that you know if you have issues with that is totally fine. You could definitely sit it out. But it's nice when it's not like slurs or like.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, like last week.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like I was just sitting there like having to pause, not because I was taking notes, but because I had to add to the content warning list. It's nice when it's just like one thing.
1: Yeah. All right,, um, so our a plot is Craig is Craig and downtown Sasquatch are performing in a showcase. Um, Craig has big plans for this because he thinks it's going to springboard them into infinity and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, you know d- does <laughs> um, kind of. We'll uh, B plot um, uh, Liberty is nearing the end of her pregnancy uh, The baby can come any day Toby is trying to keep her from working too hard
0: Yeah Yeah that's about it
1: And we are just gonna run through these two plots together Because why the fuck not
0: Right, right why not This episode is very interesting Because a lot fucking happens in it Like it, major life events happen in this Yeah
1: it like probably. they're nothing
0: yeah, like, it's very just like, well, life happens, life comes at you fast, like, that's kind of how it feels, and part of it is a little odd, but another part of it I kind of like. I kind of like that it's like, oh, yeah, well, this shit happens, it's what, sometimes, you know, it, it it gives the energy, I think, throughout this episode, and we can talk more about it as we discuss the plots, but, like, in, t- in different ways, Craig and Liberty are trying very, very, very hard to hang on to being teenagers, even though they are both on two very mm-hmm. like, different but important moments in their lives in which they are going to potentially make a transition away from just being a kid. Yeah. Drastically uh, different examples.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, we oh my god! I've immediately forgotten where we open.
0: I got you. So we start off in the good old garage, um, and Craig and Ellie are talking about um, what they would purchase once they are famous. Um, and the reason behind it is because there's going to be a showcase happening. Um, there are major execs, A and R folks, things like that that are going to be attending it. So, for Craig, he sees this as an opportunity to make money, and I believe he's talking about how he wants to buy a type of guitar. Um, it's a car. It's a car? Okay, I was adjusting my volume, and I heard Cherry Red, and I went, that might be a guitar. That would make sense for Craig. But a car also works. Um, meanwhile, Ellie is is trying to be more practical about the situation. Um, and they kind of get into, like, a little, like, flicky fight. Where you start just kind of like nudging each other and everything and they are kind of tossling. and as they're tossling, Joey comes in with a phone and Manny's on the other line um, and Joey is very like hmm what the fuck is happening here because <laughs> uh, uh-huh, he's also been in that position as a teenage boy.
1: Um, <laughs> um, <don't>. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this. You're going to be less scummy.
0: Right. We we had a discussion about this. You like you are, your child is supposed to be less scummy than you. Um, and Craig is like, whatever about it because, and he's also whatever for two different reasons. One, he's a little <laughs> flippant about his dynamic with Ellie. And he's like, "What are you, my mom at Joey, which is very weird to say because, um, he dated your mom and she's dead. But and he's your parental figure. But um it's 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 one of those things where he's very flippant about how he's treating Ellie and he doesn't see it as crossing any lines and he's also flippant to Ellie because Ellie is saying like, "Hey, we got to work on homework, like, you know, we got stuff we ought to do." And to him, he is whatever about that because he's already, like, thinking, oh, I'm going to do well at the showcase, I'm going to be able to, like, you know, get an agent, and I'm going to be able to achieve my dreams as a musician.
1: He he has what I like to call Frank finishes a manuscript syndrome where I'm yes. just like, this is it, this is the one, and then reality is just like, ha, enjoy this kick to the nuts.
0: Right, right. It's it's a flight of fancy. It's very natural, I think, for a kid to to have this feeling like, I mean, we can talk more about fame plots, how they work in teen media, and whether or not they jump shark in many ways. I think that there's a lot of discussion that can be had in that. And we've kind of touched upon it, especially when we talked about the Kevin Smith plots. But it's also just like such a kid thing to do, right? You feel confident enough in what you do You've been told by multiple people you're good at it, and that's the thing with Craig. He's been told that he is good at music, and he's been given opportunities to perform at certain things that not every kid at DeGrassi has been able to. Um, So it's not surprising that he's like, "Yeah, no, I got this. Like, I can definitely do this. Like, it's it's just very kid-like and very like that age."
1: See, what people need to do is very infrequently tell him he's good at things, and then often and give him a lot of criticism for it. And then he'll be like me, where, like, he'll just want to become a musician or writer out of pure spite and anger.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, gotta stay grounded. Gotta do it out of spite.
1: Nothing drives me farther than a need for revenge.
0: I mean, relatable.
1: I forget who I was talking. Oh, yeah, like, we were watching an episode of King of the Hill last night where Peggy needs to relearn how to walk, and, like, Hank's awful father is like giving her like teaching her and Mm -hmm. i'm like we're just like yes peggy learn out of revenge
0: yes hell yes um but yeah like the whole scene is very this part feels very right especially because it's like i don't know if frank you can speak to this but i know when i was a kid um we had (laughs) this is gonna really age me but like we had a lot of like pretty notable like hardcore bands and stuff that were within the area. And also I come from the same area that like My Chemical Romance came from and things like that. So there <laughs> were a lot there were a lot of bands and a lot of like local scene type stuff happening. And there were some bands that did make it, right? Like My Chemical Romance Made It is arguably like such a in one of the more influential bands that came from that time period. So a lot of kids did think, yeah, I'm going to form a band and, like, I'll be able to do something with it. And it was not entirely preposterous because there were bands within the area that did find success. Thursday. Thursdays and everyone. Like, Jersey does have a pretty lush music scene. Um, Yeah, like, you can just keep going on and on. And a lot of these... People did start on these smaller scale shows and kind of just kept going and kept going very not too different from the trajectory that Craig gave. So so there is something deeply um, realistic to me about this, because I remember I was not necessarily the musician, but I was Ellie kind of position, like listening to my friends who were in bands saying like, yeah, like we're going to get famous. And we're going to be able to do this and we're going to be able to do that. Um So, it felt very, like, nostalgic, in a way, listening to all of this unfold.
1: Um, Yeah, well, the thing was, I had a reminder in Kevin Smith's uh, convenience store. Like, it was right near my house, and every time I'd go running past it, because that was on my running route, I would just be like, there it is, a symbol of what could happen. Right. And, um, you know, and, like, I went to the high school Kevin Smith and Jay Muse went to, like... So, you know, I mean, that's not like anybody paid attention to that because they weren't, they're not exactly the best role models, but, like, you know, it was talked about. Like, you heard, like, you knew his name. Um, What's funny for me, though, is, like, you mentioned My Chemical Romance. Uh, At that time, when I was growing, when I was about Craig's age, or Mm -hmm. maybe a year or two older... Susie and I went to a Reggie and the Full Effect concert.
0: Oh man, that's a good throwback.
1: Uh, uh, for those who don't know, Reggie and the Full Effect was the side band of the Get Up Kids.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, where it was just like the posthumous recordings of Reggie, who died on who died on uh, tape, yep, saying, "Hey guys, <laughs> Reggie, he you got shot, I got shot." <laughs> um, they were a lot of fun. Uh, but I remember going to a concert, and opening was Midtown and My Chemical Romance. Damn.
0: And
1: this is how My Chemical Romance, because they hadn't come out with um, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge yet.
0: hmm
1: um, They're big, the, like, my sister turned to me and just said, this is a band that sings about vampire, like, having to shoot your girlfriend because she turned into a vampire. I'm like, all right, that sounds cool.
0: Yeah. Pretty apt description, I'd say. <laughs>
1: Um but yeah, but no, like it's weird being in that age because I think um Kirk Cobain talks about it in uh Come As You Are. Um mm-hmm. not the, the song, the biography. Yeah. Um where he says like when I was a kid, I thought like going on tour would be so easy, like everything would be so simple. Like I thought the US was like as big as my backyard. Mm-hmm. Um but like I, I you kind of feel like that. Like you always feel in that moment, like you're just like I'm, just one step away from succeeding. Like it, I just need to do this one thing, and I'm gonna be there. When right. it's not, and you have to do a shit ton of other things to get there, like right. comp, compromise and work and do your thing. I think the best for those who like are taking an alternate route. I think the best example for that is. Um, Puff Daddy's making the band When mm-hmm. he's uh, He's just like walk into Like walk into Columbia Or walk into Brooklyn and get me some cake And bring it back here You can't take public transit
0: God
1: Cause he's just like Yeah you need to fucking learn You're not hot shit So
0: Yeah no it's true It's like these types of This piece of it when you're I don't know there's something very just very realistic like him just being like yes this is the one opportunity and this one opportunity is statistically totally in my favor and I am definitely going to go through this and I am definitely going to be able to to like make this my career forever
1: (laughs) sorry it also (laughs) never mind it's off topic let's keep going
0: okay so, we end up going to a history class, and Craig, who already situated himself as not giving a shit about his homework, is just kind of bullshitting a, a speech about World War I.
1: Uh,
0: it's a nightmare.
1: Like, World War One is such a shitty topic to talk about in general. Like, just because it's so fucking complicated and stupid...
0: It's incredibly complicated. And, like, in, in U.S. schools, at, at least, the way the sequencing works, it's I feel like it's always, like, right at the end. There's never enough time to talk about it. There's never enough time to, like, actually unpack anything. The kids are already, like, turned, like, you know, just totally tuned out. And you're sitting there and you're just like, oh, I don't know, we could do projects. And, like, the kids get really hyper focused on like one thing. So like all they know from World War One is like tanks. All they know from like World War One is like, you know, like little bullshit topics and they have no idea of the full picture. It's just a disaster.
1: Um Uh yeah, like it's like trench warfare and like complicated yeah. alliances. And I'm just like, don't give a fuck.
0: <laughs> right. It's just like I feel like it's just a nightmare and then maybe if you're lucky they'll hit world war ii but it's just like the way that a lot of history classes are split in the us at least where it's just like total crapshoot absolute crapshoot like but but that's a topic that you know i will i will resist because you know there's just a lot of controversy surrounding us one us two where the dividing point is do we give enough time for reconstruction the answer is no it, there's just, like, endless stuff, and then it's like, oh, I guess we can talk about, but do we talk about World War One and world, world history? I don't know. Well, I we guess we can talk about it in two, but then we half fast both. Oh, it's, it's a headache. Yeah. It's a fucking headache.
1: Like, I had to go to college to learn histories of other places, and they were far more interesting.
0: I think the thing is, is that U.S. history has its own merit and has its own importance, and I think it's important that if you're in the U.S., you understand it. And, and to a certain extent, understand how U.S. history has influenced international political relations, which is very, very important in any time period. But especially like when you see the influence of like our electorates on international affairs. But like the way that curriculum is constructed around U.S. history is absolute garbage. There's plenty of really interesting, valuable, important information in U.S. history. But like if you don't know where to find like I didn't learn about it outside of, like, four term papers I did in US 1 because my teacher made us and made us pick whatever the fuck we wanted to do, um, and we had to research it, and college.
1: Yeah. So this was Curriculum Review with Donnie and Frank.
0: Yep. Oh, man. This is, like, I mean, this is what I studied in grad school. So, like, I will not shut up if I'm not careful. Um, But let's focus anyway. um, So he's just, you know watching it, the teacher's trying to ask some clarifying questions. Craig is super flippant about it and just does not remember Franz Ferdinand, which I feel like is the one thing anyone remembers from this mm-hmm. conflict. Um to a point that Ellie had to fucking like cough it. And I was like, I feel like there should have been a reference to the band during this. Like it feels like it would have been right. Um but but it's just he does not care. Um and yeah, I mean he's checked out which I mean, he's a senior. It was gonna happen anyway, but especially when you have the dreams of being able to be discovered in a showcase happening soon. Of course, you're not going to care.
1: Yeah, basically. Um, so.
0: So we finally see the B plot. Yeah. The B plot much.
1: The the B plot is a whisper. Um,
0: it's really, yeah, considering like a principal character of the show has a baby during the B-plot, it is so small.
1: Uh, A principal character who is a person of color.
0: You're right. So she already, like, you know, loses a lot of standing in terms of plot.
1: I'm sure if they could have cut more from this episode, they would have.
0: Yeah. I mean, we can talk more when we actually talk. I don't know. It's, life event plots like that are always very interesting to me because it's like, It is important, but it feels like the type of story where, much like, and I feel this way about, like, weddings. Like, I personally, as a writer, hate writing weddings. It's, like, my least favorite thing to do. And as a reader, I don't really enjoy it all that much. But what I do enjoy is, like, the lead-up to the wedding, and I like the aftermath, and, like, how the relationship looks afterwards. And I feel like it's similar to me with childbirth-type plots, where it's, like, I care about what the dynamic was like before the child was in the picture... I really don't have much interest in the pregnancy process. Also, I'm trans, so that makes sense. But then, like afterwards, in taking care of the kid, or not, ta- or like you know, deciding to put the kid up for adoption—things—that's where I really find it interesting, and like that's the piece that I really care about. So, like, I don't know. I'm I'm curious how you feel about these types of plots, but we can we can talk more about it as we keep going.
1: I just think, honestly, I just think it's such. I don't want to take away from the importance of like you know pregnancy to women and for women
0: who or want to in general who can get pregnant.
1: Yes, but I always just feel like it's such in in fiction. I feel like it's just kind of so overstated, like to the point where like um I don't know like we're we're Okay, so in like Brooklyn Nine Nine, um, there's this character, Amy Santiago, uh, one of my favorite characters. And like her goal at the beginning of the series is to become the youngest captain in the NYPD. And she's driven and she's smart. And like, I'm like, I love this character because like she's a giant nerd and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, But now in the last two seasons, like, now that she's gotten married to um, Jake, like, we're focusing on the two of them talking about kids and then trying to have kids. And, like, they struggle in one episode and there's a really sweet moment where Jake says, like, look, whether we adopt, whether we don't have kids, whether we have IVF, like, you are my family, like, and I love you. And like, this is enough for me. And I'm just like, it, it it just feels like a very conventional kind of stereotypical route to take of like, well, we have a married couple. Now they're going to have children. And I'm just like, couldn't we have followed Amy becoming a captain instead?
0: Or can we have both? Like, I think that's yeah. also the thing. It's like, it's like, it, it becomes very much a one or the other and the character loses a lot of autonomy. Which, I what I do appreciate about this subplot with Liberty is that a lot of it has to do with her not wanting to give up what she enjoys. Like, and that's a piece that I do appreciate about this plot. I think that there are issues with this. I think that, you know... And we've talked touched upon some of those issues. But I do think the fact that she is very much determined to stay and in this case it's student council and wanting to be an active participant in it and wanting to do stuff because she also recognizes that once this kid is born she's going to have to at the very least take some time off from these obligations like I do appreciate that she is still deeply determined to be a, a part of that
1: well, the, the thing also for me about this is it's just like we've already seen this plot line before That's like, of accidental pregnancy and I'm just like can we really, for our female characters, not think of anything else to do with them? Absolutely. Like, like okay. we had one where we had to, like, you know, um, like, go with, like, we're going to have a conversation about abortion. I'm like, okay, that was handled very well. And now it's like, okay, well, now we've done that. So let's just have another pregnancy and have them deal with, like, what it would mean to bring a child to term. And I'm like, this seems lazy, Like, this seems lazy and boring. You literally can't think of anything else to do with Manny and Liberty than this?
0: They can't, though. I don't think they can. But, no, it's true. It's like, it's, and it's also like a bit of a, I think it's a balancing act that I don't know what the right answer is because I, I feel like it depends. Like, Degrassi is kind of straddling this very peculiar line, which as a kid, I didn't really notice because I was, you know, a kid and I was enjoying myself and whatever. But as an adult, it is kind of odd in a certain way that Degrassi is straddling this line, right? There's there's two sides of Degrassi, and they're trying to say that they're both one and the same. And the first foot is firmly planted in the camp of this is supposed to be educating kids. It's supposed to be showing kids different perspectives. This is kind of like not quite an after-school special, but it is supposed to expose kids to certain ideas and certain things and have them learn a lesson from it. But the other foot is firmly in this soap opera camp, and it's it's been, you know, angling for this camp for a while. And that's not to say you can't learn things or that soap operas haven't taught people certain things, because they have. There are some really progressive plots happening in soap operas all the time. But I do think that we're, soap operas, they show you different perspectives, but they don't really deviate from... They still show you different perspectives while still staying pretty firmly in the entertainment world. Mm -hmm. Degrassi is in this weird thing where they're trying to be educational, but they're also trying to be in the entertainment world. And I understand most media does struggle with this that tries to do this, but it's like it it comes off more... it comes off like lazy writing in from the entertainment perspective, when from the educational perspective, the rationale for it makes sense where it's like we showed abortion. We talked about abortion. Now let's have a character go through pregnancy to term, because once again, we're showing a different perspective. Um, and I think it's just kind of the struggle that Degrassi has with this identity now because of there is the Degrassi, the educational resource and Degrassi, the, the entertainment resource. And I think they just kind of butt heads a lot when it comes to this stuff.
1: Yeah, um, if like I, you know what, I would have honestly been more okay with this if like they had gone like maybe two more seasons.
0: Yeah. Like yeah. If, if this,
1: like if they had Manny in season, what was it, three, four? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, three, because I think last season we she was dealing with the nonsense of Spinner. Right. Um, like if in season seven we suddenly have another pregnancy plotline, cool, wonderful. I agree. Uh, and as always, let us not forget that these, like, happened to the two characters of color on the show. Of and, course. And it's just, like, you know what? You, you know what? I would have been more okay if this has happened to Emma. Yeah. Like,
0: because, yeah.
1: you know what? Because then it's just, like, Emma, put your fucking money where your mouth is.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think that's a big piece, too. I think timing is really important. I also think that, um, you know, who it is. it it ends up being as important. And I also find it interesting because you brought up this timing thing in the piece of like U.S. viewers for a while did not watch Accidents Will Happen. They did not see the abortion episode because of the way that the N showed, they didn't show those episodes. So I also wonder if I did not find the timing as peculiar as a kid because I also didn't see the abortion episodes until way later, like, I forget exactly what the timeline was on it, but like you knew it existed, but you didn't see it sequentially. And I think that seeing it sequentially makes the Liberty plot line feel differently because what you said, like, oh, this was kind of recent. We're already dealing with a plot like this. So I also find that interesting. I wonder if it just didn't bother me as a kid because I was not did not really get to watch it with the abortion episodes included in season three for a while.
1: yeah. And um, I'm trying to find the U.S. premiere date for excellence Will Happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we just basically close out. Um, let's, let's get farther into the episode.
0: Yeah. Um, but, yeah, anyway, Liberty is, is you know, she says their doctor says that she should calm down. Like, she should relax more. She's stressed. Toby is listening to it. He's clearly worried. Um, we go to the dot, and Toby is regurgitating all of the information to Toby. I mean to JT, sorry.
1: <laughs> to to the Toby clone.
0: <laughs> to the Toby clone. To you know, one of the whatever. You know what I mean?
1: Yes. Um yes. Um and like and I I I like this. I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm always okay. Oh. Hang on. Um I'm always one for kind of like oh, okay. So I just looked at the the premiere dates. Mm -hmm. Um, This premiered in the U.S. on April 14, 2006. Mm -hmm. Um, Accidents Will Happen didn't premiere until August 26, 2006.
0: Yeah. So, like, I think that you saw, you just approached, as a U.S. viewer, you approached Accidents Will Happen very differently because you did not see it from a sequential sense, which does make me curious about, um, people who did see them sequentially. I mean, we did because of the sake of the podcast, but like folks who saw it maybe like with the Canadian airing, like you're watching in Canada, watching as it came out in Canada or what have you, like, I'm curious if they felt like it was a bit like, Oh, here we go again. Um, because I just didn't feel that way as a U.S. viewer because of the nature of how the episode worked.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, so anyway, like, I actually do kind of appreciate these things of like, look, you're not going to let me in, but I do want to keep tabs on you. Not for like creepy reasons, but because I care about you.
0: I don't love it. Um, but I come from a very personal place with it. So,
1: yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it also comes from a stupid, like, teen. Not, not a it's teen, a very
0: teen reaction.
1: Yeah, of just like, look, I can't confront you with my feelings and acknowledge that maybe I shouldn't be in your life. So instead, I'm going to like what is essentially early Instagram stalk you.
0: Yeah, it's a very teenage thing. And I think it also speaks to like that. that I mean, I think it's not the best behavior, but it does kind of speak to how desperate JT is right now. Like, yeah. he feels totally powerless. This is his only way in to a certain extent. And it just makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of, like, this episode is interesting. There's a lot of very, like, teenage responses in both plots, I feel like.
1: Yeah. So that was outside the dot. Let's go on inside.
0: <laughs> yeah. So inside, the whole band, Downtown Sasquatch, sits down, and we both had to kind of pause because Marco's hair is in cornrows.
1: Do you think he just showed up on set one day and they're just like, fuck it?
0: I don't know.
1: Marco's I like,
0: like talked to him on like Instagram or something, be like, just, just what came first, the stylist <laughs> or you, when it came to the decision?
1: Just send him a screenshot and just say, explain.
0: Right. <laughs> I just it, uh, it was it's not good, not good.
1: It. Ugh. It's like, uh, never mind.
0: It's okay. It's just, it's not good. We're just gonna acknowledge it. We're gonna say it happened. We're gonna say that yes, it's true. Marco's hair is in cornrows, um, and and we're we're going to move on. That's that's all there is to it.
1: Yeah. Um. So the they're lamenting that Craig has failed history, um. Marco is freaking out because, like,
0: he's.
1: It's <laughs> Is it the time of day? Yes, Marco is freaking out. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um... Uh. <laughs> Craig's just like, no, nah, man, we got this. We got this. And then Spinner comes walking on by. Um. <laughs> Jimmy makes a shitty comment.
0: Yes, 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 suggesting that the album in his hand is just him and Darcy saying Jesus loves me.
1: <laughs> I would pay money for that. Um <laughs> uh, like he's like, This is your competition. And at yeah. the uh North Norwin sound sound case.
0: Right. And it also should be noted that in this in this moment we get an idea of kind of what everyone's post high school or lack thereof plans are because marco and jimmy are firmly in the camp of like they're going to school they want to go to school that's what they want to do they don't really want to be in a band per se craig is firmly saying no like i want to be in a band like let's be in a band together like he's very insistent on downtown sasquatch as an entity wanting this together as opposed to just like himself wanting to do solo work and ellie is kind of and Marco says, like, oh, like, obviously she's going to go to school for journalism. And she just kind of like is a little dismissive of that idea. Um, and Jimmy's like, well, what are you going to do? You're just going to follow Craig. So she, she now, you know, she's a bit not all over the place, but kind of divided on what she wants to do after high school. Um, so we're like, and I think this is a very, also a very real conversation that seniors have. Cause I remember. Um, And I don't think this came from a good place. I don't think so. I think that I had some classes ideas to unpack as a child and I didn't until way later. But like being like, oh, well, this person doesn't want to go to school, but I want to go to school. Like, I don't like, you know, I want to stay, you know, I want to keep focusing on my studies and I should talk to people who are only going to college, which was shitty. This was a shitty mentality to have. But I feel like that divide happens very quickly because I think that, you know, someone taking a, at least back in, back in our day, saying you were taking a gap year or that you were just going to work or whatever was really, really frowned upon or like that you were unfocused because you were doing that.
1: I, if I could have done it again, I would definitely take a gap year.
0: Oh, 100%. 100%. And I think that it's, I don't, I can't 100% speak to it because I'm not a teenager myself, but like from what I have observed, it's not viewed as negatively anymore, but like back, especially where I grew up, cause I grew up in like a super like conservative part of Jersey. Like if you said like, Oh, I'm going to take a year off or like, I'm just going to save money or like, you know, I'm going to work or I'm going to travel or whatever the scenario was, it was frowned upon. Um, not as much as go, like it, like going to community college was still was viewed more favorably. Um, And, like, you know, like, going to some form of schooling was viewed more favorably than taking a year off. But, like, it was just, like, really bullshit ideas about, like, future plans and shit, which we're seeing less of now. And I'm glad to see, at least in the schools I've worked at, like, community college being viewed more favorably, taking a year off or working or not going to university is being viewed more favorably now. But especially back then, I think it was just, like, our parents... Kind of hanging on to that bygone era that like going to college was gonna fix everything. Yeah. <laughs> that <Yep>. was like <laughs> ooh, ooh, like.
1: Hey, eighteen-year-old hey, Frank, you're remarkably depressed, and you're not sure like like if you want to get up tomorrow. Decide your future at eighteen. I'm like okay. Well,
0: that and like it wasn't as bad my year, but what was it like the like? But there were so many just like financial issues as well that like most of our generation is very few of us are actually, I had actually had our university degrees really help us that much anyway.
1: Oh, I was playing be a teacher and we do know how that turned out.
0: Um. I think I'm one of the realistically speaking, and I don't mean this to be cocky. I'm just saying this just to like, for like a startling thing to consider. I am like one of the few people who is, Pursuing in some way, shape, or form something similar to the degrees that I got.
1: Yeah. Well, let's, I mean, on, mine made sense because my dad was just like, look, the minute you're like, the minute you're, I hit a certain point in your final semester, I'm retired. Mm-hmm. Like, because my dad worked for the school I went to. Right. And like, he's just like, and he was older. He's always been older. Like, my parents had me. Uh, well, they, my parents are 70 and 77. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my mother's 70, my dad's 77. Um, so, like, part of me was just like, I gotta get through school fast so Dad can just get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Because, <laughs> you know, he, was, he worked hard his whole life and he just wanted to relax. Um, but, yeah. So, um... And then at, a certain, then at a certain point, I applied to get into a creative writing graduate degree, graduate course. Real glad that didn't pan out as well because, oh boy, that would have been a useless degree. Anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: um, I mean it
0: could probably help with your craft. Let's frame it like that. It could have been helpful for your craft.
1: Yeah. Um, so we cut to the Northern Sound Sound Showcase. Yep. Uh, so
0: they're performing.
1: They're not doing well.
0: <laughs> I mean, Craig is doing fine vocally, but like you know, the drums are off. The and you know, it's it's. I think they also made a point to make the mixing kind of bad in this moment, which I appreciate because I think it helped. Like be like, oh, yikes. You,
1: you can really hear
0: the bass. <laughs> yeah, like you can really hear the bass. You hear how off the drums are. It's it's. You know honestly not bad still I still stand by not bad for for a teenage band not bad yeah like not 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 the best thing I've ever heard but honestly if I was told by a student hey I'm doing this set can you please go and I heard that I'd be like I'm not totally miserable I mean I think the the you know it, it just I'd be like okay fine good job kids like I would be I would be able to give some positive feedback
1: yeah um so there's like one dude just kind of staring at them from the crowd looks like a creeper.
0: Oh, so um,
1: gross. And then uh, we're cut to the band uh, Money Money is on the stage. We cut to a Downtown Sasquatch calling them like you know herbs and whatnot. Um Uh and Leo approaches and um he's like cute girls got a point Leo Davies. I <laughs> already I already don't like him. Yeah. Um, he is just like He loves the vocals The rest of the band is rough Um
0: Says that the vocals have depth to them
1: Yeah Um Even though like one of the lines is like Boy, with the f- boy in blue came back with the flu And just like Oh yeah Some rare lyric craft there Craig
0: I mean um, He's a teenager
1: Yeah so he wants to manage them Um and I'm honestly getting like that thing you do vibes from this. Mhm. Um. Uh, and then we cut back to uh, Joey's house and Joey and Diane. These this poor beleaguered couple.
0: Oh my god, they just want to watch Dancing with the Stars.
1: <laughs> and honestly, that for me is a perfect, like, that is a perfect detail. Because, yeah. like, like, I feel like you get up to a point as a couple where you're just like, you know what? I don't really want to, uh-huh. like, think anymore. Let's not bother with a new movie. Let's just watch some trash TV. Oh,
0: I love it. I'm all about it.
1: Like I, was, like, I was hanging out with this girl, and we were watching, like, some stupid reality TV show. And, like, I had a crush on her. And um my sister was just like, look, you two are, like... She is definitely into you. Like you're doing couple stuff already. You're watching shitty TV, like reality TV. Yep.
0: Yep. Look, um, if you find someone who wanted to watch Vanderpump Rules with me every week it came out. That's love, baby. Um, that's fucking love.
1: So. Uh, Craig's like, we got a manager Things are going great And Joey's like, oh, that's cool Also, you have this envelope from University yep. of Toronto
0: And it's a big boy Which, you, if you remember Back in the day, if you applied for college That's promising
1: I will never forget Getting my acceptance to Rutgers And calling my pup up to tell him That I had gotten in Because he was a uh, loyal son of Rutgers Mm-hmm And like I basically like just saw like you've been accepted and just threw the envelope away. And then like I'm on the phone like, pop, pop, I got into Rutgers. I'm so excited. And my mom's just like, hang on, you got into Rutgers Camden.
0: Oh. And I'm like, good school.
1: I was like, that's weird. I didn't apply there. (laughs) Oh no. Because I had applied to Rutgers New Brunswick.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So yeah, so I went I went to Rutgers, Newark for a year, and then transferred yes, in. I
0: remember you going to Newark?
1: Um, because my parents are like, we are not sending you to Camden. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, I my my finding out I got accepted into Rutgers was a bit unceremonious because I was one of the I was like the transition point that started going to like online apps and stuff. So, Mm -hmm. I found out just because I kept, like, arbitrarily checking, like, my email and everything, and then I found out via, like, status change, like, a status change has happened on your thing. And then, like, when I checked, it said I was accepted. So, like, I found out in the middle of school checking shit on my phone when I wasn't supposed to. But it was kind of exciting. It was still exciting. And And then, you know, you eventually do get the envelope. You get all the information. And it was very exciting. I'm glad that I... I'm glad I went to Rutgers.
1: Oh, me too. But um, the, when I transferred, uh, we we had a above ground pool at my parents' house, mm-hmm. and I like I was done swimming. Like my sister and my mom were still in the pool, and um, <laughs> like I I had my computer in my room, and I was like, well, just for shits and giggles, I'm pretty sure I didn't get in. I'm gonna do another year at Rutgers, Newark. Let's just check my application. And I, like, I checked. It's like, you've been accepted to Rutgers, New Brunswick. Like, and I just remember screaming. <laughs> and I, like, ran outside. I was like, I got to Rutgers, New Brunswick. Like, my Mom's like, we heard. <laughs> and, like, my room was on the far side of the house from the pool.
0: <laughs> nice. I mean, realistically speaking, Frank, if, if I didn't go to Rutgers, I wouldn't have met you. So.
1: Well, we didn't meet at Rutgers.
0: No, but. I was at Rutgers, and then I was close enough to meet mutual friends to hang out, and then that's how that all worked out. That was we were like, oh, we live close, we should meet up.
1: Yeah, um, well, you know, we knew each other through friends. Exactly. That's
0: I, how life works.
1: Our first meeting, I believe, was in a hotel room in Atlantic City <laughs> during Anime Next.
0: Let's be real, that's the right way to meet someone.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, the right way. Was that the year we found the drugs?
0: Was that uh, n- n- no? I think we were friends that year that we found drug paraphernalia and drugs in in a in a uh, in one of the drawers at Atlantic City. And that thank- was that was one of the most exciting starts to Anime Next I've ever had.
1: Thank God I was the one who found it.
0: Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. like
1: my name is on a police report in the, with the ACPD um and yeah. donnie the teachers is not
0: <laughs> yeah i refuse to look into it i was like i will not even stare at it because then i don't want to have to like go on record about this it they was... did...
1: <laughs> what's funny is i was like well i better get ahead of this and i went to my boss on my my boss's boss the head pharmacist at my job and i was just like look this happened i just want to make you aware of it and she just looked at me and she's like Did they comp you for the weekend? And I was like, they gave us one night. She's like, you should have pushed for three.
0: (laughs) Honestly, we should but we were so disoriented that day. Because remember, we're we're getting ready for a convention. I'm surprised we haven't brought up this story on here yet. Like, okay, so it's like Anime Next is in Atlantic City. I think this was like the first, yes, this was the first year it was in Atlantic City. By the way. Um,
1: Then it it had to be, because that was, I only. wasn't
0: the first time? I guess so. So, so you know, we're we're hanging out, we got mutual friends, we're all in a hotel room together. Cool, 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 cool.
1: Frank's sleeping on the floor.
0: Frank's sleeping on the floor, but wants to get pillows. Understandable. He's opening up the shelf, like, you know, opening up the drawers a little bit, doing a little exploration. And I watch him from my bed, I watch him open it up, pause, and just kind of like his whole body language shifts in this moment. And he's just like, hmm.
1: Um, and my friend, our friend Jess, um, was on the phone with, um, yeah. with fucking, uh, room service, and it's just like, or the hotel services, and she's like, uh, hang on, I think we found drugs
0: Yeah, um, and I was just like, what? <laughs> Frank, Frank found a pipe, as well as muscle relaxers Uh,
1: a gabapentin, which is uh, okay yeah, not that hardcore. It's not even a uh, controlled substance.
0: No, still things that you don't expect to see when you're going through your drawers in a hotel room.
1: Yeah, and they come like the the hotel services came up. We won't say what hotel it is. No, um, no. Uh, we'll just say we don't stay there anymore. Not because of this, just because general. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like they, um, they. Um, Gave, uh, they gave us, I believe they also paid for the parking. Yeah. we didn't have to pay parking.
0: No, um, they paid for a Thursday. Um, but it was really funny because we had staff members kind of, like, zooming in and out of the room. And then eventually we had police zooming in and out of the room. And I'm just kind of just sitting on my bed just going, okay, 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 great. And then Frank has to, like, you know, give a statement and everything. And I'm just... <sighs> it was a start. And then, like, we threw the rumor mill the information about our room started spreading throughout Artist Alley. So, like, we would talk to people, and they'd be like, hey, did you hear about this room that found this? And I was like, yeah, that's my room. And the artist would be like, oh.
1: He's <laughs> like, you gonna share?
0: <laughs> Not like that. They were just yeah. like, oh, like, I heard this was happening. And I was like, yeah, that was me. And then they were like, oh, okay, um, <laughs> hi. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I mean, news travels.
1: <laughs> we can, we
0: uh, Convention.
1: We also heard the guy who found them is super buff and handsome.
0: <laughs> we should have, we should have made sure everyone knows that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was not neither at the time. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, um. Anyway. Uh. So let's get back to the actual episode.
0: Right. It's like it's not even like this episode is bad. It's just I realized that people don't know the story about us on this podcast, and it felt very like. Felt felt like. I can't believe it hasn't been brought up sooner.
1: Yeah. Um, so Craig is basically like, "Fuck school. Um, I'm doing music."
0: Right. He's 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 just not 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 here right now. Um, and,
1: and him and Manny go upstairs, which, like, if they wanted to make this really realistic, Joey would have been like, "That would have knocked Joey out of his like shock," and he just yells like, "Remember, door open." <laughs>
0: Right. It's just like, yeah, that would have been a good little punctuation. Um,
1: you know, what's funny is I was thinking back to my own teen experiences and like I've had I had girls in my room because I, I had friends who were girls. My mm-hmm. parents never made me close the door. So I'm not sure if they're like Frank has no game or they're like we trust him.
0: Yeah. Hard to say. I think when those circumstances.
1: I think it was the the former.
0: Yeah, honestly, from what you have described, I feel like that might be the rationale myself. Yeah. Just based on the stories you've told me.
1: All right, so uh, next day, at the dot, Ellie walks in and sits at a table away from well, her. no, now.
0: there's a photo shoot first.
1: All so right. So
0: the photo shoot happens, and they're trying to do, like, you know, really funny poses for band. Like, they're trying to look really dramatic and everything. Leo jumps in and rearranges them. The way that he rearranged, and he says that like Ellie has to go all the way in the back on the drum set. And Ellie's just like, well, is anyone going to be able to see me? And he refers to her as a chick on sticks, which is really gross. Um, and Craig is really upset about this because to him, which I do appreciate about Craig, and I think it does speak to how Craig is probably not somebody I would ever say anyone should date. But you can't really deny that he's not a bad friend in this context. Um, Because he says like you know what about like this being about the band and like you know we should be all together because we are a unit. Um, And Leo says like no like you are the focus like you are the talent Um, and you see a shot of the new updated way that they are arranged and it's a zoom in on Craig's face with the other members in the back over his like left shoulder.
1: Yeah, and we were both like, I really wish Leo would be Like, can we lose the, can we lose the, can we lose the cornrows, please? God. Um. So next day they have a meeting. Ellie sits at a, a table away from everyone, and I like, I do like that Leo barely acknowledges her except when yeah. she talks.
0: Yeah, like he really does not give a shit.
1: Um. He points out that like, look, um. Like you guys are coming back to the Northern Sound showcase. Um, and one
0: of like four bands getting invited back.
1: Yeah, um, there's going to be an exec there. and he's like, if they like you, you'd be on a plane next week to like go start recording.
0: So, so yeah, so Marco and Jimmy are very much in the camp of like, oh, we got college. like we gotta like we're not even that, they're worried about finals. Because if they are to just drop everything, go to Vancouver immediately, like they are not going through the various markers of their senior year, which is really important to some kids. Um, And Leo also brings up that, like, you know, if you care about the music, like you're just, it doesn't matter. You're going to drop all of it to focus on that. And also um, that they sound a bit rough. Um mostly he really harps on Ellie's drumming, um, to which Craig says that he will make sure that that gets worked on. Um, and it's interesting because there is, once again, this thing that Craig is pretty determined to have this happen on the pretense that they are a unit together.
1: I think it's just because Craig really, like, I feel like, like I was saying before, that feels like such a kid thing of like, I want to go and do all these things with my friends.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think it does kind of speak to that Craig, like, once again, I don't think Craig's a really good romantic partner. I think that he suffers from a lot of the, the you know, entitlement and selfishness that a lot of teenage boys have. Um, but I feel like he's pretty dang loyal to his friends um, and cares deeply about them. And I think that that comes through. I feel like he's had some pretty important moments with all of these characters, right? Like he's had important moments with Jimmy. He's had important moments with Marco. He's had important moments with Ellie. Um, So it does make sense, not just from the kid, like we're going to do this together because I believe in that we're going to be able to do this together, but also in the sense of like he... Like, he cares about these people and he wants to go through this process with
1: them. Yeah. So, um, we cut to Craig's garage. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Craig and Ellie... Craig is showing Ellie uh, how to play the drums. And who should walk in but Manny.
0: Yeah, so, for context... uh... I don't even know if what Craig is doing is like what you should do or not. I've never really learned how to play drums, but he does the thing where he like sits behind Ellie and kind of is holding her arms in place and helping her get the beat right. And I legitimately don't know if this is like a way to d- teach that or not, but regardless, Manny walking in, she's not a happy camper about this. And once uh, get- go continue.
1: And once again, we get the the Ellie poised to be the other woman, even though she just wants to be fucking friends.
0: Right. And that's kind of the thing. And it's like, I feel like sometimes, like, I feel like a lot of these characters would benefit from being able to be LGBTQ not just because representation is important and things like that, but I feel like a lot of the time in LGBTQ relationship dynamics, platonic ones included, like, you do sometimes have this sort of intimacy with each other that is not something most people get, and it just happens. Like, it's not, it doesn't mean that, like, you are in love with each other, or that it's romantic, but that, like, there is a bond between the two of you, that affection is just going to flow a little differently um I feel like it's something that doesn't get explored very much in media um but sometimes I wish you could just slap the lens on it because like sometimes these I feel like like especially because like Ellie and Craig do have a very unique bond in the sense that they've both been in group together they both know a lot about each other's mental health because of it it's a complicated dynamic that is not necessarily a romantic dynamic, but has a lot of weight to it that not everyone's going to understand.
1: Well, that, yeah. I mean, I understand what you're saying about um, them being part of the LGBTQ, you know, thing, but like, I, I, like whenever that happens, I do kind of feel like it's like a, it's a little bit of cop-out because it's just like, well, why can't we just have two people be friends and like, have them, like, there's an understanding around everybody where it's just, like, nothing is going to happen between those two. Like, they are they are basically brother and sister.
0: Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I think I just want to see more friendships that look like mine. I think it comes from a selfish place. Because okay. I do have very deep friendships with people that will never trail into a romantic area. But, like, we will be far more physically affectionate than other I...
1: friendships. Yeah, I feel like this is both of our... um, Personal... Yeah, like, this is, like, the things we both want, where it's like, hey, oh, you're out with, like, a girl? Oh, guess what? Like, we're going to call her your girlfriend. Right,
0: (laughs) right. And I feel like I do wish that then it becomes a conversation of... And I think regardless, I think that even though we're we're talking about what we want to see, I think that there could also just be that conversation piece of Manny being like, I don't understand your dynamic... Are you like trying to cheat on me? And Craig going, no, that's not the plan at all. Like I have no intention of doing that. We, we, you know, we have like a, we have like a relationship that is a bit, you know, different. Doesn't mean that it's romantic, but like, you know, if you have an issue with it, we can talk about boundaries and stuff. But like, yeah. that's asking for a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean,
1: like, yeah, I, it, it's a bit like that language. I don't think is in in a lot of the lexicons of teenagers at this point. Like yeah.
0: I, I <laughs> nowadays zoomers perhaps, but not 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 a millennial teenager.
1: Yeah, I, I I honestly heard like a teenage manager speaking to her two other teenage employees and using like some of the language I've used in therapy of just like, okay, nope. now how does that make you feel? And like then she's like, Do you understand how this would make her feel that way? And I'm like Damn, that girl's got her head on her shoulders for being like seventeen.
0: Yeah, no, like babies. <laughs> this, this generation, if you listen to them, it's it's pretty it's pretty wild. Like they they have a pretty intense understanding of relationship dynamics. I think like you know, are are there like things that they still have to learn? Yes, are, you know, of course they're babies still, but like they have a pretty they have like a pretty hyper aware sense of like boundaries dynamics things like that like especially if you talk to if you listen to them talk to each other it's very interesting because you hear conversations like that like I hear conversations like that all the time with kids like not to say that they're experts not to say that there aren't kids that are still shitheads things like that but like the one like it's very interesting seeing how they use certain language that like I've only just learned in therapy
1: yeah um so, uh, Manny storms out, um, Craig goes chasing after her, Ellie looks sad. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, back at the ranch, a.k.a. Degrassi, um, Mrs. Heslacos uh, says, hey, maybe you want to do less stuff, Up, oh, showing off the guns, um. I,
0: I just sometimes like to look at my tattoo. <laughs>
1: um, uh, maybe you want to, like, lay off on some responsibilities to, um whatchamacallit um and liberty is just like no i'm good um and but then accuses her of saying you don't want a pregnant student representing your school right
0: which like i wish was a conversation piece like if we're gonna fucking have a kid have a baby to term like i feel like that like what i feel like that's a plot point that's just like being left on the table like Yeah, like I feel like especially like if like I understand that Degrassi half the time was is never going to touch race with a nuanced. Like, you know, 10 foot pole, but like. I feel like especially somebody who is so visible in the school community, you would think that would be kind of like, okay if you're going to have Liberty be the kid to go through this, like I feel like that's a big part of her that people are going to say things about because she like would say in conversation people were talking about it, but I feel like we never really, outside of like JT having an outburst in front of people with her about it, we never really saw how the school perceives her because of it.
1: Or all those all those loud Brian Regan-esque conversations they would have in the hallways.
0: Right, exactly. It's like, if you're going to take the time to have, your kid, have a kid, have a kid, like, I feel like, Because I feel like even, like, a kid maybe being pregnant, like, maybe the speculation of someone being pregnant was a huge conversation piece in my school. Like, people would be like, oh, my God. Like, oh, did it freeze again? No, you're good. Okay. Um, But they would be like, oh, my God, it's so scandalized and all this type of stuff. Like, lots of rumors would be coming by. No matter what the kid, like, there was always going to be something being said, because that that is considered so taboo, at least, especially in in my school.
1: Yeah. Um, But, like, there
0: would be some form of a reaction, whether—and it depends on the pulse of the school. In Degrassi's case, I I, would—it's—I—it doesn't seem like a school that there wouldn't at least be a couple kids talking about it in a way that was scandalized. But it does depend on the school culture. But also, this feels like a thing that they just could have touched upon. Like, what is the school culture in Degrassi? Is this a school that would see this a certain way?
1: Well, I mean, we do have the Friendship Club. I doubt they have a lot of high-minded things to say about, or enlightened things to say about, like, liberty. Um,
0: Right, and I understand, like, maybe they didn't want to go right out of the gate having the Friendship Club be this, like, antagonistic force. But, like, they kind of have the groundwork that a kid who is the, you know, is a class president and stuff being pregnant, it, it would probably have some form of conversation.
1: Yeah. Um, so anyway, and, oh, but, like, hey, this has a conversation, that Manny conversation, enjoy them while they last, because they have no more merit on the episode. They nope. are done.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Liberty asked if Toby did anything, and he just fucking swerves at her. He's like, "Ah!" Um,
1: one of my favorite things is that I wonder, if, like, if uh, one of my things to think about is like, does Manny see like Snake at like Joey's, and it's just like, "Fuck you!"
0: <laughs> right.
1: Um. Uh. So we cut to the band rehearsing. Um. Leo says like. Like the band is not great. Um and points out Ellie specifically. Um and he says like you're not a drummer. Like. hmm Um then we see Craig filling out his application for a U of T. Yep. Um Outside the school. <laughs> um Liberty Liberty quotes Shakespeare. Uh, Clayton, like uh, says he betrayed her. Mhm. Um and Toby, um, Toby tries to cover for what he's actually been doing. Yeah. Um and they hop in the car and they're on their way to Carson Hill, which I re- now originally I was like, well, isn't the assembly at the school? But it's like a group of schools meeting up. I think.
0: Yeah. But still, where is the count? Like, where is the chaperone?
1: Yeah. Um, The car breaks down on the side of the road, and Toby keeps saying, my boobies car doesn't seem to get that. (laughs) Because Liberty's like, this isn't Carson Hill. Yep. Um,
0: Uh, mm, Yeah. Oh. um, Also, like, Toby does that bullshit thing where, like, Liberty is just like, you know, let's go, let's go. Toby's like, well, if I was pregnant, I would take a break. It's just on one hand, that's probably the most like realistic response a teenage boy would give, a cis boy, a teenage cis boy would give in a in a situation like this. But even then, I was like, ugh! <laughs> I,
1: okay, you're exactly right because I, whenever I was around pregnant people, even into like my twenties, I was so fucking nervous all the time. Mm-hmm. There was we had a um, pharmacist who was pregnant, and one of the pharmacists I was working at, and like the 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 power went out, and like we're like we have to lock the store because we have drugs in here, um until like it's closing time or whatever. Mm Mhm. And I was like, okay, well you should sit down. And she's she's, like, what? I was like, look, I know how these things work in TV. This is when the baby's going to come. She's like, Frank, I am only five months pregnant. I was like,
0: oh my god, Frank. (laughs)
1: I was like, shit. still to town. I know how this goes.
0: Oh my fucking god. That's so funny.
1: <laughs> I am really stupid. Um.
0: <laughs> I'm endeared, but oh my god.
1: <laughs> so, um, Liberty accuses him of trying to take her job. And, like, Toby's like, I don't want the, the goddamn presidency.
0: Right. Like, he's like, Focus.
1: And then um, he has a little like he just is like, look, I've been talking to JT and JT talked to Azalea because he's worried. And this this felt very real of like I've just done so much or uh, like I've been like everything's just too much for me right now. Hmm. Um. Liberty tries to explain why she doesn't talk to JT and then her water breaks.
0: Yeah, of course. <laughs>
1: And she's like, "I do love Toby freaking out. You're like, "Time, time, what time? Time for no, not here, not in my boobies car."
0: Yeah, he's just like, "Please, God." I
1: and love you're... how I love how he gets referred to it as his booby's car.
0: I mean, it's important. We need to know whose car this is. It's it's very funny because I watch a YouTube channel called Kitten Academy, which is my favorite thing. Uh, and they just had a. Uh, they had a mom cat have some kittens, um, but she had it late at night, and they have a live stream. People were trying to call them and, like, get in touch with them, being like, uh, I think the cat is having kittens, um, and they were asleep. They slept through it, but, like, when they woke up and saw that there were kittens, um, she gave birth on a beanbag, and they were like, oh, no, not the beanbag, and they had to, like, fucking throw it out because of the process.
1: (laughs) Um... Bee bags are expensive. I, I wanted to get some for the house.
0: Yeah. Like, they are. And like... A, yeah.
1: They're like 120 bucks.
0: Yeah. Wait a minute. And she totaled it.
1: Justin McElroy brought up a good point where he's like, I had to buy replacements for a bean bag chair, but it comes in a bag already. So you don't even need the chair. You just buy the replacement beans. Anyway. Yeah. Um... So Liberty's still like, what about the assembly? And Toby's like, there's other important things going on.
0: Right, yeah. Which, which I wish, and I think it, it, it hits this thing where I feel like, I have to really look back on every episode before I make this statement, but it feels like very few, if any, of these plots are done from Liberty's point of view.
1: Almost none of them are.
0: I was going to say almost none of them. If not, I would venture to say none of them. Ultimately, this has been JT or JT-adjacent people processing that Liberty is pregnant. Because it feels like, to me, the actual story here is Liberty is hanging on to the very last things that have some sense of routine and some sense of her identity tied into them. She is desperately clinging to this shit because it's, it's what she has. And it's what she has control over and what she enjoys. But because the plot is not done from her point of view, um, it just makes her come off ridiculous to a certain extent. Yeah. And that's just not... To her, and I feel like the, the re- really what bugs me about this plot is not even so much that Liberty was getting pregnant, so much as Liberty doesn't have any autonomy in the stories being told. We never see things from her point of view, so she just kind of comes off like a jerk sometimes. Not that I think she's being a jerk, but I could see how as a kid or like a younger viewer would just kind of be like, Why is she being so mean?
1: Yeah. Um, No, I I don't have anything to add. I think that was exceptionally well put. Thank you. Um, Okay, so then uh, Ellie has a heart-to-heart with Craig. Yeah. And just is basically, look, this is your dream. You have the talent. We don't. You have to stop having Mm -hmm. us hold you back.
0: I also like the idea of just, like, he's like, well, what if, like, you know, like, I have to leave. I have to leave Manny. I have to leave the band. I have to leave all you guys and everything. And she's just like, we'll figure it out. Like, I'll say goodbye. Like, that's how it works. Like, you know, if you if that's what you need to do, then I wave and, and, you know, wish you well. Like, and I do appreciate that, too. And I feel like a big thing about Ellie that I do appreciate about her, and we see this in her relationship with Jimmy, and we see this with her relationship with Craig, um, that she recognizes that people have individual passions and individual interests and that she's not going to try and be like in the way of it. In fact, she she wants them to pursue it and enjoy it and explore it and and have that be be a part of them. And I do appreciate that about her. And I think it's important also for kids to see that in the sense of like, yeah, okay, it sucks. Sometimes your partner is going to want to do things. And I think especially like if you're a senior in high school, or like a junior in high school and you're dating somebody, this is like a big, big conversation piece, right? Like what if your partner stays home and you go away or like you both go to different schools or whatever? Um, you can't just throw yourself against the road and say, okay, you can't leave. You have to be able to be like, no, this is what you wanna do and this is what's gonna make you be in a better place and I have to be supportive of it.
1: Yeah. Which I learned that lesson when I was younger. Um.
0: It's a tough lesson. It's a tough lesson. I think even like, even not teenagers struggle with it.
1: Yeah. So Craig plays the showcase alone. Uh, and he kind of plays this out of this episode. We see um, the adoption, the couple coming to adopt Liberty and JT's kid. Um, we see.
0: Uh, no. Yes.
1: It's, okay, we see people take the child away. Yeah.
0: Um
1: we don't know yes, exactly yes, who they way. are. Sorry,
0: I lost track. Yes. No. Um, what does the script say?
1: Um JT walks in and liberty hands the baby away to a couple.
0: Yes. Okay, so it's just an ambiguous couple.
1: Yeah. Um we see Craig saying his goodbyes. Um To the to to downtown Sasquatch, Uh, he kisses Manny goodbye, Uh, but she is. At first, I thought it was Angie, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's Manny in the backseat. She's looking miserable. Craig is smiling as he as Joey drives him, I guess, to the airport. Yeah, and that's where we end.
0: Yeah, big 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 life changes happen in this episode.
1: I'll give this a solid A minus.
0: Yeah, I actually like it. It's 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 kind of interesting, but I think like I think parts of it are a little preposterous. Like the odds of of some teenager rolling into a showcase and suddenly an agent wants to pursue them. Okay, maybe we can talk about how that's a little far fetched. But I do think overall it's a solid episode. Um, yeah,
1: it's it's remarkably tight.
0: Yes, yes, and I think that's something we've consistently seen this season too. Like I think a lot of these episodes are told very succinctly. Um, it doesn't really feel like there's like fluff per se. It feels like everything's cruising right along pretty efficiently through these stories. Yeah. It felt like last season, it felt like there was a lot of dragging. It felt like, like, you know, we had way too much of certain subplots and it was like really frustrating. Like not just, I didn't, it wasn't even just that I disliked Paige pursuing, um, having to be in a relationship with Matt, but like. I felt like it was so much about it and it it just was like, it dragged also in that sense here. It feels like every plot is very, just like, here you go, here we go here. We're checking in. Okay. Now this is resolved. Like this episode, I feel like easily could have been two episodes, but it hits upon all the necessary steps um, to keep moving into the season.
1: Yeah. Um, So character rankings. Yes. Uh Um, Ellie for being selfless. She gets the rise. Um, Manny uh, dropping a step because I had to go by the character's actions. I can't be, able, I can't meta this and be like, Manny wouldn't do this because this is what they had her do. Mm-hmm. Um, uh. Spinner not going anywhere. Non-entity. Marco. Actually, Marco and Jimmy across the kind of non-entity. Marco's going down a few steps for that hair. <laughs> That's bad. Jimmy and Spinner are kind of non-entities. Toby for trying his best. He gets to bump up a spot. Um, Who else? Uh, Liberty. Honestly, uh, I'm I'm not going to move because it's just like there wasn't – Liberty was just not – There's so little focus on Liberty, it's hard to, like, say what exactly was going on, you know?
0: Right. Well, I I feel like we don't know, and we haven't known. Like, I legitimately think, like, the only scene that I think... Like, I feel like there's only been maybe two or three scenes, this whole freaking plot that we can definitively say were from Liberty's point of view. Yeah. Which is very weird. It's very weird looking back on it. Like... It's it's just very 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 odd. Like okay fine I get it. You wanted to explore how this impacted JT. Sorry I'm hijacking your character rankings. Like and and that is a piece right. Like regardless of how much autonomy or lack thereof JT has, this does impact him. But like the fact that we that it it, it just never gives Liberty a chance to speak to herself or speak to her perspective as somebody going through this is just so odd.
1: Yeah. It's. I don't. I don't particularly care for it. I don't know. Me. Either. Like. Um. I. I just. I want better. I want better for Liberty. Like. Uh, you know.
0: 100% agreed.
1: Uh, yeah. Um. Uh. So we move on to recommendations.
0: Yep. Um, so in terms of recommendations, I mean, I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing. I feel like it's kind of the go-to recommendation during these times because why not? Um, I know we try to keep it light on the show and we're trying not to dwell too much on what is going on in current events, but honestly, a really good escape has been that, um, especially because it's like, it's nice being able to visit each other on things and all that type of stuff. Um, Another thing I've been doing, which Frank unfortunately cannot participate in because the range of it will go into spoiler territory, but I have been putting Degrassi episodes on shuffle. Um, As in, like, plopped a bunch of episode numbers into a random number generator and pulling out random episodes. Um, So it's really fucking funny because you go from, like, season one and then you go to, like, season ten and then you go to season, like, six and then you just kind of bounce around. Um, And it's really, really jarring, but also really, really funny. Um, And totally easy to do in home. So I also recommend doing that because it's really interesting stacking writing approaches together. And, like, characters together. And seeing the different ways the certain characters are. Um, And it's really interesting just seeing how much the show has changed. And the most drastic way to do that is to pull a random episode from season two. And then pull a random episode from, like, season 14. Um, So... Something that Frank can't participate in yet, although we could probably do it with like episodes we've seen so far. But it's very interesting thought experiment if you're up for it.
1: Cool. Yeah. Um, I have been really enjoying um this uh stand-up special called Quarter Life Crisis um oh. by the comedian Taylor Tomlinson um and also uh well, i haven't watched enough of it so i'm not gonna say it um but yeah no because she's she just so goddamn funny um there's like this one bit where she's talking about like doing a like um like giving yourself some motivation like you know giving yourself a pep talk as a kid you're like you can do it, because I think you're great. And, uh, and I know you can. <laughs> and then, like, the same pep talk as an adult. She's like, and then you're just leaning on the sink, like, looking at yourself in the mirror. You're like, you're going to do it. Because what other goddamn choice do you have?
0: Yeah, that's real as hell, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, her whole thing is so good. So I highly recommend that um, if you love comedy and stand-up and whatnot. Um, oh, I would also uh like to i was gonna need to pause because i need to pull it up
0: yeah. frank you've made it through
1: it was really easy this time
0: <laughs> it was yay um so um if you want to keep in touch with us there's a couple ways you can do it you can check us out on via email um you can email us at ihopod at gmail.com um you can also um do social media with us. We're on Twitter, I hope pod, and we're also on Facebook at, I hope I can make it through podcasts. Um, feel free to send any questions, comments, concerns, or if you're interested in potentially coming in, um, our schedule for recording is a bit more open ended now because I am not commuting constantly. Um, so we can work with it a little more. So if you've always been interested, but you can never really commit to our late night recording schedule under other circumstances um this is an excellent time to potentially get involved um but yeah feel free to reach out to us concerning that if you want to support us you can always leave us a review or a rating um and once we hit certain thresholds we will start giving extra material back to you um also if you are interested in supporting us you can also donate to our coffee account um there's plenty of ways you can support us, but also just listening is always appreciated. And we hope that we are providing some sort of something during these odd times that we are in. Um, if you want to talk to me, you can follow me on Twitter at DM is DMIsUnbreakable. Um, feel free to check out whatever inane thoughts I am posting, which are always about Fire Emblem in some way, shape, or form, realistically speaking. Um, I have two things to promote. Um, I am one of the... People working on the Cherished Zine, which is a Fire Emblem Zine that is all about Dimitri and Tudu, Um Dimidu, as they are known as. Um, we are in the process of getting the work together, but please follow the Twitter for any updates regarding it, um, because once it goes on sale, we're hoping to have all of the profits go to NAMI to support um, resources relating to mental illness, which is a cause that myself and the rest of the rest of the moderating team is really passionate about. And most importantly, please check out uh, Rest Day Zine, which is something I'm super proud of and very, very relevant to today, um, which is a Fire Emblem Three Houses fic-centric zine that is gonna be a PDF that's pay what you want. Um, Please follow our Twitter account at Rest Day Zine. We're putting up promos for it and other things, but the most important thing is all the money that we're raising is going to Feeding America, America's COVID-19 relief fund. Um, So we are hoping to raise as much money as possible to help with food scarcity that is currently happening um, in this crisis, Um, which is something like just, we came together a bunch of fic writers as a response to what is going on right now and just kind of being like, what can we do? Well, we know how to write and hopefully we can entertain people and hopefully we can raise some money. So the whole theme is a bunch of Fire Emblem characters having the chance to relax Um, And bond with each other and do really relaxing things. So hopefully it's something that you will want to just feel very calm while reading and enjoy and be full of love for these characters while also donating money that is going to be going to helping people. So if you have money to spare um, and you want to read a zine, which, by the way, is 150 pages, so very much worth it, your money, whatever money you put into it um there's a lot of heart and soul that went into it and we're hoping to raise as much money as possible to help people who are being impacted by uh the pandemic that's happening so that is my big big thing that i hope people check out uh
1: i have another i have another podcast um i'm not sure what we are going to be putting up next oh uh this week we did a lifetime movie because it's lifetime movie month because we deserve something um uh, and this week we're doing the movie Insta-Killer.
0: <laughs> Stop. Is this somebody who murders people on Instagram?
1: Yeah, it's about somebody stalking an Instagram model.
0: Oh my God.
1: Uh, other things on the docket are uh, Psycho Prom Queen and the Fab Five, a movie about cheerleaders. Um, oh and next month is High School Musical Month.
0: Good. Oh my God. If you ever need someone to talk about what it was like directing a bunch of middle schoolers in a production of that, let me know.
1: (laughs) Will do. Um, uh, I'm also posting stuff on my YouTube channel. Link is in the description. Uh, I'm going to be doing a playthrough of a horror game called convenience store. I've never played this game before. I'm actually going to do that later tonight when the sun goes down. Um, (laughs) so get ready for me screaming and being upset (laughs) because that's what happens.
0: Excellent.
1: Uh, I think that, that's it for me
0: Awesome um, Well we hope we can keep making it through And that you're going to be there with us See you next week Later Bye Satisfy
1: everything in me